as you guys may have noticed, I am not dressed in, well, I am wearing black, but I am not dressed in black. So this is going to be very different than the previous lectures. The intent of this is not for me to be teaching scripture or spiritual um, necessarily topics, uh, but what we're talking about here is what are we really going to do about all that we just learned and what are we as a committee, what's the history behind this conference, uh, what was the dream behind it, what are we going to go do starting Monday morning, what are we going to do after this conference. So that's the intent of this. Um, I'm going to start with what we've normally done in every um, lecture, which we're going to start with a recap. So I'm going to put up here, this is the last one, so we have done... Um, we have done six lectures so far, so I'm going to ask you guys to give me some points about each of them. So we'll start with the big picture. What stood out in the lecture on the big picture? Everyone is different, and we have to focus on the big picture. Okay, thank you. What else? Sorry, someone said something. We're not ducks. Okay, thank you. What else? We are born into a war zone. Great. Can someone tell me a little bit more about um, who is the war really between? The devil and who? Some people are pointing at themselves and some people are saying God. The war is between the devil and God, but the devil can't, Abuna touched on this in the first topic, the devil can't do what to God? Can't attack God, can't harm God. So what is he going to go after? His children, the people he loves so much, this is who he's going to go after because he can't go after God himself. So when we are fighting, back to the point that Beher mentioned a couple of uh, lectures ago, when we are fighting, are we as guys fighting against God, I mean against the devil ourselves? Who is fighting on our behalf and with us all along? God and his angels. Okay, when I am so zoomed in, and what does zoomed in, by the way, means? Abuna started with some pictures that we couldn't tell. What did that mean? What was the idea behind that? When I'm so zoomed in, what does that mean? What? Michael. Can't see the big picture when I'm so zoomed in, but what does zoomed in symbolize in our life? Okay, focused on ourselves. Too busy with the world. What else? Very good. I'm so focused on just what I'm doing right now. I have this meeting. Uh, I just got into this argument. I have this project in school. I have this homework. I'm so focused on my specific things. I'm not thinking of the big picture. What is really going on? Um, how many times, and I'll start by myself, How many? how many times do we during our normal days at work or when we get home, how many times are we really thinking, I'm in the middle of a war and I am being attacked 
and I need to defend myself by partnering with God. How many, how many of us really think about that regularly throughout our days? I know I don't. And so, so we really, we really got to do that. We really got to zoom out regularly to remind ourselves of uh, the big picture. Okay, so that was talk number one. Talk number two was the reality of the war by Father Nathaniel. What was that about? Exactly. Define your wins and be ready to fight so that you can win. Okay, very good. What else? What else stood out from that lecture, from that talk? No winning? You don't win by just wishing. Very good. Any other points from that talk? So, yeah, go ahead. Very good. If we don't define our wins, the world will define it for us. Okay, very good. And something that really stood out to me um, was earth is man's training grounds. Heaven is his crown. How many of us during our normal days are thinking everything I'm doing my whole life right now is just training. It's just practice. It's just means to an end. How many of us think about our life like that? I know, again, I don't a lot. Um, a lot of times, all of our goals, our ambitions, our desires are here on earth. Our, um, our end goals are really focused here. Um, we're not treating it as just training grounds. We are treating it as the prize. We're putting our own prizes here in the world, and we're going to that. Okay, talk number three by Abuna Yunan was, who is our real enemy? What did we learn about our real enemy? First of all, who is our real enemy? Satan and all his army. Okay, and what were some of the points that stood out from that talk? I have to realize the problem, okay. There's a lot of fake enemies. What is it, what are some examples of the fake enemies? Very good. These are good examples from the Bible. What are some examples of fake enemies in our lives? Our spouse? What else? Huh? Our boss? family and friends, a lot of these we turn into our enemies, but really our enemy is none of these. These are all fake enemies. And then the enemy is really Satan, and the, and the real enemy can also be inside of me. I could be causing damage myself. Okay, and then, so the fake enemy was part one. He had like three points. Fake enemy, what was part two? Yes, that was the, the point number three. Exactly, the lust of deceit, wanting to be deceived, okay? And then what was the middle one? We talked about his, his devices, his devices. Very good. Anyone wants to highlight any of his devices?
Alienation, very good. And he said alienation from, from self, from church, from family, and what else? God. Very good. So alienation. And then um, anyone has any other points about his devices that they want to mention? Very good. You steal the city by one inch at a time. One is like 10. That's a lie, right? One is not like 10. But sometimes we are told that one is like 10. What? Sorry? I am the reference for the truth. Very good. Yes. Any other points? Okay. Talk number uh, five. How do I, or talk number four, how do I win the war? Part one by Abunaynan. What are some of the takeaways from that one? You have to be engaged in the battle to win the war. I can't be seeing a war and just sitting on the side. I'm going to get destroyed. For me to be able to survive in the war and to win, I have to be engaged. And engaged meaning I am partnering with God so that I can be defended. I'm putting on the armor of God, which is really putting on Christ, being engaged in that warfare, being aware, realizing all that. Okay, what else? I am responsible for the struggle and not the victory. I think so many of us fall um, into this. I know I do, um, as, as evident by my, my question to you, Abuna, earlier. I felt overwhelmed by uh, a lot of the wins that I need to define in different aspects in my life. But that, that is not my responsibility is not to win in all of these. I am to define them and to be engaged and to struggle. The win or the results is really for God. I take the medicine, like Kareem was saying, I take the medicine, but the healing is from him, okay? Any other points from that talk? Play by the rules. Very good. Anything else? Yes. The aim is to get Christ in my life because I could do everything in my power to try to win, but who am I fighting against? I'm fighting against the devil. Every single one of us in this room will get destroyed by the devil completely if we are fighting on our own. We cannot win against the devil. He is way stronger than each of us alone. Only through God who's inside of us and who is partnering with us can we do it. So the aim is to get God on my side. And then beware of the last strike. Beware of the last strike. Very good. Okay. Next talk. How do I win the war part two? By Abuna this morning. First thing this morning. The two fortresses. What were the two fortresses? Quiet time and sacramental life of the church. Why do I need those two so much? Okay, very good. At the end of the day, quiet time is you being in the presence of God, and so you are being transformed in his image. You are being filled by him. Sacramental life of the church is receiving through the Holy Spirit all the means of grace 
Only through that power am I able to do anything. I cannot do anything again on my own, so I need quiet time, I need to be in his presence, and I need the sacramental life of the church. Anything else from that talk? Very good. What are some ways that we identify our identity or what is our identity sometimes in? Where do we put our identity? A lot of us as men. Achievements. What are some examples of achievements? Work, salary, service. That's a very tricky one, service. I can, I can feel like I am achieving something just by what all that I'm doing in service. Very good one. Even though it looks good on the outside, it could be a deceit. Abuna. Children's behavior. Yes, parents love to be proud of, look how my child is behaving. Okay, this, this can all be how we are identifying ourselves um, and, and our value. But really, our identity comes from who we are in Christ. Someone saying something? I'm sorry, it's really difficult for me to uh, to see everything. So if you're saying something, just raise your hand. Yeah. Material things. Very good. We all, as men, put a lot of our identity and worth in that. What's the problem with that, by the way? What's the problem with putting our identity in any of these things? Missing the mark? Okay, what does that mean? Sorry, Haney. Okay. Huh? Okay. It's never enough. It's temporal. All that can be taken away from me anytime, and none of that will be satisfying at the end of the day. So putting our worth in any of that will never give us the satisfaction that we need. Okay, what else? Walk circumspectly. That that was a point that I wrote. Um, I have to be very careful in how I'm talking and how I'm acting uh, because I am a royal, like Abuna said earlier. I am the son of the king of kings. How many of us, when we are acting, so when we are talking, are thinking, I need to talk like the son of the king of kings and the lord of lords? I know I don't a lot. So that's another really big, important point. Okay, anything else from that talk? Wisdom is knowing that the decision I make today will impact tomorrow. Very good. A lot of time, everyone today always wants instant satisfaction. And this is just something in our culture that's growing and growing and growing and growing. We want very, very, very fast results, and we want satisfaction right now. And if it's not happening right now, I'm, it's very, very painful and difficult for us. Even, by the way, in, in our spiritual walk with Christ. Um, I know a lot of times when I'm away from God, and I, I come back and I decide, okay, I'm going to step up again, and I pick up my Bible and read, I'm expecting somehow that as soon as I close that Bible, 
I'm back to where I was, even though I haven't really spent quality time with him for an extended period of time. It's not like that. It's always going to um, to take time and it's take effort. And we, 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 we need to understand that we are thinking for long term and we're not just thinking of right now. And every decision I make today to satisfy any desire I have right now can negatively impact tomorrow. Okay. The last talk, which was a couple of hours ago, a few hours ago, why am I here? What are some points from that? You can't lead anyone unless you know how to lead yourself. Okay, great. What else? Prioritize our values over what we want. Every one of us is given what? Talents and gifts. And what is our purpose on earth? To what? To to glorify God and to multiply those talents, to invest those talents and those gifts that he has given us. And my legacy, the ver at the very end of that talk, Father Nathaniel had a beautiful quote at the end. My legacy is what? How much did I give away? How much did I give away? Okay, very good. So this is a recap of the conference. Um, if you think, I think all about all the topics that we just discussed, and I went into a lot of detail. I'm sorry for taking um, quite some time on this, but the reason I did that is if you look at all of it, it's all about the what? The big picture. It's really about, okay, There's this is the big picture. We are in a war we need to defeat the enemy. This is some ways of how to do that. But I feel like, and I've heard this comment from a lot of you and us as the committee working on this conference, we've been thinking and talking about this. There is so much more detail that we need to discuss as men, practical things that we need to figure out how to do to be able to move forward, to be able to defeat all the statistics that I'm about to share with you guys right now. There's so much war out there. There's so much more work that we need to do by partnering with God and letting him equip us to be able to do so much more. Okay, how are we going to do that? This is um, what I would like to talk a little bit about. But before I do that, I want to go over a few statistics with you guys. And I'll ask you guys to comment about a couple of these. On any given Sunday, there are 13 million more women than men in America's churches. 13 million more women are attending on a regular Sunday church than men. This is very, very, very sad and disturbing because we are called to do what? We are supposed to be the leaders. Sure looks like we're not. Every Sunday, almost 25% of married Church-going women will worship without their husbands. One of every four married couples that you see that go to church will be praying by themselves without their husbands. Their husbands will not be at church with them, even though they are married and should be going as a family. 
midweek activities, so any activities that you have aside from the normal Sunday liturgy and service, midweek activities often draw 70 to 80% female participants. So only about 20 to 30% of the attendees in weekday activities in church are men. Over 70% of the boys who are being graced in the church in our Sunday school programs, over 70% of them will abandon it during their teens and their 20s. 70%, 7 out of 10 of the boys that you are teaching in Sunday school will end up not being a church in their teens and in their 20s. Fewer than 10% of U.S. churches are able to establish and maintain a vibrant men's ministry. Less than 10% of the churches have a successful men's ministry. A few quick more statistics. When a mother becomes Christian, her family will join her at church only 17% of the time. But when a father comes to Christ, his family joins 93% of the time. What does this tell us? What does this tell us? Sorry, Tony, can you raise your voice? There is a deep thirst for manly leadership. And really, men are the ones who are supposed to lead. Because when a woman tries to lead her family, what's the success rate? 17%. When men are leading, it's 93%. Abuna. Men are way more influential. This is what this tells us. We are called to be the leaders of our families, okay? 95% of men say that they don't have male friends. Less than one-third of men in church say they have a friend, a friend. What does this tell me? Someone was saying something? That all of us need to go out and make friends, why? What's the problem with this? What's the problem if we don't have friends? Huh? We don't learn from each other? What else? Depression? What else? John? Fellowship is very important for your spiritual growth, Abuna. Exactly. Abuna, can you repeat it? Iron can't sharpen iron. But if there is no iron to sharpen you, you are not going to get sharpened. Okay? Yes, Uncle Philippe. Very good question. If you guys didn't hear, the question by Uncle Philippe was, is it the church's fault or is it my fault that there's a statistic like that? John.
fighting against that. So Very good. Regardless of who the source of it is, but we know who our main enemy is and that this is one of his tools against us. So. Very good. Thank you. This is, this is disturbing, guys. This is really, really disturbing. And a lot of us... Um, and by the way, I've heard this comment in this conference, people saying, I do not have many friends that I go hang out with back home. I have kids. I have my life. I have work. I am so busy. I don't have time to really focus on, on friendships. This is extremely dangerous. Um, fewer than 1% of church-going men participate in any sort of ongoing men's ministry program. 33%, listen to this one, 33%, oops, okay, sorry, I, I guess it was delayed, if, if, by the way, if I'm reading something and it's not on here, please let me know, but 33% of the 72 million children in America will go to bed without their biological father at home, 33% of all children in America will go home without their dad, will go to sleep without their dad. Fatherless children, okay, what's the problem with that? What's the big deal? I think it's obvious, but fatherless children are five times as likely to live in poverty, repeat a grade, and have emotional problems. Why am I sharing all these statistics with you all? I'm sharing these statistics to say that the war is very real and men are getting slaughtered. We are getting destroyed, okay? Um, we're really getting defeated um, as the statistics are showing. Um, but that's not going to stop us, and we're not going to have despair, and we're not going to give up. We're going to do something about it. Um, and this is what this whole talk about is about. So what are we going to do about it? I want to start, um, of course, the answer to that is going to be talking about the ministry, uh, Brave Men's Ministry. But before I do that, I want to ask uh, Father Benjamin to come up here. Um, for those of you who don't know, I think he hinted at it earlier. But this is, um, this really, this ministry, this conference really started by Abuna Ben. And I didn't feel like it was right for me to, to talk about that. So I'll let, him, I'll let him do that. And then I'll call on a couple of other people as well. Wait, wait. Don't they do this? Um, okay, I'll just share with you guys the story of how we ended up here this weekend. Um, back in um, 99, 2000, 2001, I, you know, I you know, came across some guys and we started to um, get together and um, meet once a week in a restaurant, like early morning, then have breakfast and then go to work. But yeah, I mean, we read the Bible together. Um, started out maybe doing, um, there was about six or seven families where we would do like live group, where basically uh, we do a potluck dinner every couple of weeks and all the kids go upstairs with a couple of babysitters and then we sit together, the, the six or seven couples and just uh, every couple of weeks, one would luckily to talk or whatever. Anyway, um, at one point, uh, one of the guys, uh, Michael, and he was one of one of those uh, those men, and he said, "Hey, I heard about this uh, 
new, you know, men's conference out in Colorado. Want to go? It's like, yeah, sure, we'll go. And it was in February. It was lovely. Uh, snow, you know, in the middle of the mountains. It's just amazing. But anyway, that weekend, that conference was very, I mean, I, I, the list can go on. It was very transformational for me, very redemptive, um, very powerful. Um, it opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. And, um, I mean, it had like a couple hundred men in it from all over the country and Canada. And um, that's what planted the seed. The talks were great and everything was great, but it wasn't the talks themselves. It was being in the company of one-minded men, of, of being in a group of men I felt fortified. I felt supported. I felt like even though I don't know any of these men, but like I felt like I'm on this big, strong team. And that's when the dream started of like, wow, we need this. We need, we need this in our churches. We need men's services. And the seed was in there, buried, covered, you know, under the dirt. And it was just, it didn't feel like it was the right time. I didn't have the re resources. I definitely weren't where I needed to be. And... It was in there, uh, in the incubator, you know, God's working on it, and I just didn't feel the right time. And um, I was ordained a priest in 2013, and I still felt like it was always there. I, I, I could see it. All the statistics that Bessem is telling us, I could see them everywhere, and it was heartbreaking and really depressing. Um, but I didn't do anything about it because I still didn't feel like it was the right time, even though I was praying about it. And then at one point, um, Joey, actually, uh, gave me a call. The bishops knew that it's, this has been on my heart and like, I want to do something. I can't really define it well. And I guess he was talking with one of the bishops and they told him, oh, Abuna Benjamin, yeah, and he's thinking about this or whatever. And he called me and he said, Abuna, let's. And um, I was like, I felt like God is telling me, okay, now it's time. Now it's time to roll up your sleeves and start doing this thing. So I thought of a handful of men, and I, I'm not going to go into battle on my own. I'm no fool. I don't like to fight losing battles. So I knew yeah, the, many men in my life, but I picked a handful of men that I, I knew where they were in their walk, and I knew they would get it as soon as I tell them because I'm I'm noticing... Manhood, like Bessim is saying, has been under attack for many, many years. And it's from different angles. Um, in our culture, the Egyptian culture, um, being immersed for 14 centuries with our neighbors, we learned from them that the man is to make money and to make babies. That's the man's job. Everything else is on her. And, and I see this. I see this in our Coptic Orthodox churches. Mom is the one who raises up the kids early to go to church. Mom is the one who gets them to pick their Sunday school clothes the night before. Mom is the one who says, let's pray together. Mom is the one who says, what did you learn in Sunday school? Mom is the one who's doing all this stuff, and, and the man isn't there. At best, they may go to church, but a lot of times they, they would stay home and not go. I can't tell you how many times I go, hey, where's your husband? And it'd be at home watching Egypt play Algeria soccer. And um, so that's from our culture, but also from the Western culture, 
you probably heard me talk about this before, is that because of uh, there's two kinds of feminism. I think one kind is good and healthy and Christian. The other kind I think is destructive and vindictive and messed up. I'm not going to go into that. But I think as a result of that, manhood became to be attacked also in the West. And the example I used was TV shows, series. If, if you're as old as me, like 30, 40 years ago, the shows were like um, Leave it to Beaver, um, Grown Pains, The Cosby Show. They would show the men as a wise, um, hardworking, um, disciplinary, gives wisdom to the kids, handles problems, deals with issues. The leader of the family. It wasn't like, uh, I think this is just how, it, how they were portrayed. The, the Brady Bunch was another one. Um, but then if you move a few decades later, and men became portrayed as the silliest person in the house. Um, the Simpsons. What's the, what's the guy's name? The Homer Simpson. Um, I love this show. Uh, everybody loves Raymond. You know? It's like that is he's a doofus. He's he's a burden. The mom is the one who's wise, the one who's leading the family, with the one who's responsible, the one is it's men who's been under attack and I feel like we've been pummeled so much that we're like, Okay. And we and we, we shut up, we backed up, we abdicated our God given stewardship and our responsibility. Um so something needed to be done. We were heading into a, a really terrible direction. And if you look at all the statistics, like what, 80, 85% of men in prisons grew up fatherless or of people in prisons grew up fatherless um, and all the other stuff that Bessemos talked about. I don't want to talk too much about this. But anyway, so it was time to do something about it. That phone call came, and then I felt God was telling me, okay, let's, let's do something about this. I had no idea what to do, but I knew I needed to do something. And so I called a few men in my life, um, and you will get to meet all of them. Uh, you already know who they are, but they're here with us, except for one of them who wasn't able to make it. But we're going to sit tomorrow in the panel in the Q&A, and you get to meet them more. And then I started making some calls and tell them, here's, here's the story, basically what I just told you. And I invited them to this war with me, with us. And they said yes, by the grace of God. And um, that occurred two years ago, a little over maybe. And uh, I guess I'll let Bessim tell you the rest of the story. Um. I just want to share something. Abuna said um, that seed was planted 20 years ago in that conference, and then he kind of let it sit there. Uh, he didn't really let it sit very deep. Um, just the story of that. Uh, six years ago, over six years ago, six and a half years ago, was my bachelor party before, um, before I got married. And uh, Beher was planning it, my brother, and uh, he invited Abuna. Um, he invited Abuna to come and... And to a bachelor party, yes. That's how cool my brother is. And um, <laughs> it was fun. And, um, and Abuna came, and he's talking to all of us, like 10 guys. Um, and this is exactly what he talked about. He talked about the state of men and how hurt he is and, and how much ache he's in seeing the state of manhood in the church and saying, I really 
guys, we really need to do something about it. And not just that, he started actually tearing up talking about it. This was six and a half years ago. So when I got the call from Abuna two, and, uh, two years ago, a little over two years ago, it was uh, March of 2019. It was actually earlier. It was like February or Janu January or February of 2019. So when I got the call from Abuna, uh, and it was again inspired by, by Joey calling him. And, um, and of course I said, yes, Abuna, we, we need to do something um, about this. And, and, and a few of the guys, I really uh, wanted them to come up and share why they um, also wanted to participate. But I see we have 15 minutes. And so um, I encourage you to go up to them and ask them, why is this so um, important on their hearts? And, and if you don't know them, it's Snaggy right there, Kareem and Joey and Ben are in the back, and then Tamer, he's not with us, um, but he's, um, he's another one of our, uh, our team. And so, so this, is what started, um, this is what started Brave. So Brave is Brothers Resolve to Achieve Valor and Excellence. I don't think we said the full name, what Brave stands for, but this is what it stands for. Um, and this is our mission statement, to restore the identity and role of men according to God's purpose for their revival and the revival of their families, churches, and communities. I want a couple of people real quick to tell me what are some things that stick out to them from reading this mission statement. Okay, what stands out to you about that? Restore, okay, what does restore mean? Bring back, and when was it originally there? When we were created, sadly that's the truth. Adam and Christ, okay, this is when, where it was. So we are restoring, we're going back to what the intent was, what we were created for. So we are restoring and we're, okay, what else? I was gonna start talking, but I wanna hear from you guys. Revival, revival, revival. What stands out about revival, Mina? It's repeated, yes. <laughs> exactly. It's like resurrection. It's like putting fire into a turbine and, and, and starting that engine again bringing it back to the power that it had. We are, I think, I don't remember, I think Abuna Ben said that in the very beginning, or someone, one of the, one of the priests said this in the very beginning, but we were created to have what on earth? Dominion. We were created to have dominion. Which of us today can say, I have dominion? I know I can't. And it's really sad because that's what we were created for. We are created to partner with God, to be in fellowship with him, to have dominion. And so we need to get that revival. Anything else? Yes, Abuna. Very good. First, our revival. Were you involved in the mission statement, Abuna? <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> John. Yeah? When I, as a man, when we, as men, are failing, all of this is failing. 
all of this is failing. Our whole society is failing because we are failing as men. When we as men step up, all of this is going to start rising up again because we will go back to the role that God created us for. I'll say it's intentional. Why not? <laughs> yes, very good. Thank you. Abe. Very good. It's God's purpose. It's not just us, the group, thought what was cool, let's do it. It's, it's God's purpose. Anything else about the mission statement? Identity and role. Very good. Yes, thank you. So what are the long-term goals for this ministry? One, raise awareness of the problems facing men. Two, develop leaders. Create a safe haven where men can be vulnerable to share experiences and encourage development. Build men up to better support their families, churches, and communities. Equip men to acknowledge God's presence in their lives through intimate friendships. Identify, teach, live, apply, and grow the role of a godly man. We could spend a month at least on every single one of these, talking every day about each of these. Um, but these, for us, are not just the the goals for today are not the goals for this conference, are not the goals for this year. These are the goals for the ministry for the long term. This is going to take a lifetime for every one of us to grow in all these aspects. But this is what we hope the ministry can do. This cannot be accomplished in just this conference. And as you guys saw again, this conference was just an introduction, was just to bring all 70 plus of us together in a room to identify the problem and to say that we're wanting to do something about it and to inspire us to want to do something about it, to partner with God to be able to, to fight this war. But these are the goals. So how are we going to do it in this ministry? One is the annual conference, this that we're in right now. The reason for, for the annual conference is, is, like I said, bring us together. It's also a booster. It's like every year, let's get together, pump each other up and say, guys, we have a problem. Let's go. Let's go attack. We, we, we need something like that to just keep us going. And by the way, when, when, when this ministry was started, when Joey called Abuna, Joey called Abuna because Joey heard about, I don't know if you guys know, but the, the, the women have already something that's an annual conference. It's called Her First Love Retreat. Her First, her first Love, yeah, Her First Love Retreat. Um, and they do it once a year. And that was initially what Brave was going to be. It was going to be just an annual conference. But as we started thinking together, what is the problem and how are we going to solve it? We said there's absolutely no way that we can do this through a weekend a year. It's, it's not possible. So... So we decided that it needs to be a lot more than just this annual conference. So then this is where the local chapters idea started. So what is, what is local chapters? Local chapters, our goal and our dream of it is that each city that we all come from, we all come here from different cities. Yes, there are some cities that have more people. Uh, there are more people from there. But um, there are people from so many cities here. Our dream is that every city in America will one day have a brave local chapter. And the idea of the local chapter is that it's a monthly meeting in each of the churches, in each of the cities, that is talking about exactly those seven 
goals, those seven long-term goals that we talked about. They meet on a monthly basis, maybe even more if they can um, be able to sustain that, but meet at least on a monthly basis to talk about these topics, to talk about how can we win this war, to practice it together, to make friends so we are not alienated, so that we together encourage each other and grow in, um, in that. Some, uh, yeah, Chris. Absolutely, we will do that just for you, Chris. Um, we're, we're going to be showing exactly what Chris was just talking about. We're going to be providing a curriculum that all the chapters across the nation will be using. We're going to be providing resources, and, um, and I'm about to get to more of that. But yes, that's exactly the plan, so that there's also not repeating the cycle or trying to figure out what to do individually in every city, and so we can all be united and growing together. Um, and um, the idea of this meeting, by the way, is not for a speaker to come up and just to talk for an hour. The idea for those meetings is they're going to be a discussion-based, and that's how we're building the curriculum. Um, we don't have it ready, but we will have it ready, God willing, within the next couple of months, and then we hope to launch it um, sometime in the first quarter of next year. That's, that's our hope and what we're working for. So where are we going to do this. We're going to do this in whatever cities we have some of you guys able to commit to start those chapters in your cities. Um, but the three that we've identified that we will start in because we already have a lot of men in those cities who are willing to do this are Houston, Austin, and Tampa in Florida. These three cities, we're going to start with them and then hopefully there will be many more that will, will start as well and we'll talk more about that um, tomorrow. And then aside from the local chapters, we're, we're dreaming really big. So we're hoping to have a lot of online events as well that also encourage the local chapters to see what others are doing and to have online events. A lot of you, I think, joined uh, the, live, the virtual live event that we did um, a few months ago. I don't remember how long ago it was, but there were so many guys that joined. We're hoping to also have a conference just for the leaders and the facilitators of those different local chapters. We're hoping to have smaller conferences for people in different stages in their life to focus more about it. So w we have a lot of dreams, um, and by your prayers and by your partnering with us, and by God's grace and mercy, we'll be able to do that. And then finally, our website has a lot of resources, and I would like to take us there real quick to talk about that. So if you have, if you are one, if you're here in this room and you haven't been on this website yet, you really um, got to go and check it out. We, we put a lot of effort into this website and it's still under development and we would like your help with it and comments on it. But I just want to highlight the local chapters real quick. So when you, oops, Mina, sorry. Screen mirroring, 
Mirror built in. Yes. Thank you, Mina, for your training. Um, okay, under local chapters, if we go to the local chapters page. So here's the home screen, okay? Under home screen, one of the top headers is local chapters. When you click on local chapters, we'll take you to this tab. And it talks about what are local chapters. So that the idea, of course, is not just us, because many people may have not heard this um, discussion we just had, but we want people to know what are local chapters, why do we need them, the six goals that we just talked about. And then we will have some... Uh, this is the information packet, kind of, Chris, exactly what you were talking about. How do I get started? Each of these, by the way, is documents that you can just download. And we will be, again, this is always going to be a work in progress. Zoom in. Is this good? OK. Um, uh, so every one of those, if you just click on it, it will download a PDF that your local chapter can use to get started. OK, how do I get started? Accountability, how do I build accountability? What are some social activities that I can do? Men's services, um, and also the guidelines. We have a set of guidelines. If you want a local chapter in your city, you need to be following these guidelines. And then of course here, the most important thing that will, or one of the very important things that will be added here will be the curriculum once we have it. Um, and then there's a link from here to the resources page. So resources right now, I only have marriage. But actually, the resources tab, if I go to it, oh, actually, I don't have the link to it right now. But if you go to it, if I click on marriage, there is a bunch of books about marriage, a bunch of sermons about marriage, a bunch of uh, scripture and verses. And the idea is we've picked a lot of categories of a ton of resources that we want to put here. The idea is I don't... We don't want every man in every city to try to figure things out again and to start from from getting. We want to together collaborate and figure out how we can do this. Any question about our website right now or anything that I've said? Thank you. Thank you.